Well, I heard tell of a man <clears throat> who went to the Holy Land with his wife and with his mother-in-law. What's so funny about that? You know something's coming, don't you? All right. <clears throat> Anyhow, while he was there, his mother-in-law passed away. So the funeral director came to him and said, listen, we can ship the body back to the uh, States for $5,000, or we can bury her here in the Holy Land for $150. The man pondered for a while, thought about it. He said, I'm going to ship her back to the States. Well, the funeral director was confused. He said, why would you ship her back to the States for $5,000 when you can bury her here in the Holy Land, the Holy Land for 150 bucks? He said, well, I read a story about a man who died and was buried and rose after the third day here in the Holy Land. He said, I can't take that chance. Now, if you're a mother-in-law, please don't be offended by that, okay? I have a wonderful mother-in-law, just in case she's watching this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I heard a teaching recently that really touched my heart. It actually confirmed some things that were in my heart and how often we as believers, we have a tendency to pray Old Testament prayers as New Testament believers. And when we do that, we will not see results to our prayers because we're praying for something that has already been accomplished. Let me give you an example. I wrote a few things down here. For example, I've prayed this prayer myself a number of years ago. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, the, the words of the prophet, he says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And I stop and think about that. That's exactly what God did through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? He came down in human form and gave forth an anointing for mankind to partake of. God has already accomplished that prayer that Isaiah prayed. So if we pray that prayer now, we are literally praying against the word of God. Another situation, you've prayed this, I've prayed this. In Psalm 51, where David prays, have mercy on me, blot out the stain of my sins, cleanse me from sins, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And when you were born again, that's exactly what happened to you. So to pray that prayer now is contrary to New Testament theology and doctrine. And so if you're struggling with that, you need to accept by faith what God has already done in your life and what he has accomplished. The wonderful thing, and you've heard me say it before because it's biblical and it's scriptural. Remember what John the Baptist said when he pointed to Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God or the sacrifice of God that takes away the sins of the world. In 1 John, we read that Jesus Christ is the propitiation or that sacrifice that was given for us to take away our sins and not our sins only, but the sins of the world. 
In other words, and this is why I seem to be a little redundant on this because I'm trying to get it into my own mind and own understanding also. Every sin that you've ever committed that I've ever committed or ever will commit, the price has been paid for that sin. The only reason someone will go to hell for eternity is because they reject the plan of Almighty God that has been displayed and given through Jesus Christ. Can you receive that? Okay, because that's biblical truth. Jesus even said the sin of the world is unbelief. Unbelief. Unbelief in what? Unbelief in the plan of God. The plan of God is the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. I wrote down another one here and I thought, <laughs> people surely don't pray this prayer. But it's in the Bible. Psalm 55, David prays this. Another prayer of David. Let death Seize my enemies. Let them go down alive into hell. Do you think that's a little bit contrary to New Testament theology and doctrine? When Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those that abuse you. Bless those who curse you. So you see, we can be in contradiction against New Testament theology by praying Old Testament prayers. Now, I can't imagine anyone praying that prayer, but in a sense, I can. People have prayed that prayer because their enemies have offended them and they wish them nothing but hurt and harm and bad, you see. But that's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of the Christ. Jesus Christ tells us to love and sometimes as difficult as that is, he still commands us love. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, he didn't say that they would become your friends. But he says for you to love them, for me to love them, simply because that protects me against issues of unforgiveness. It protects me against bitterness from rising up in my heart. So you see, for me to love my enemies instead of cursing my enemies is literally something that is for my personal welfare. They may not change, but the fact of the matter is you are in the process of being changed in the likeness of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today about anointing, Holy Spirit anointing. And it's a subject that perhaps could be very confusing in some ways. Probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture is found over in, in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. New King James Version says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders. Speaking about the king of Assyria, who is representative of the enemy, of Satan in your life. Satan endeavors to put great burdens upon the lives of anyone, anyone, Christian and non-Christian alike. The thing that Christians don't understand is that they don't have to carry those burdens. The scripture says, cast all your care upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he cares for you. We don't have to carry burdens in life. 
It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Now the word anointing actually means abundance. It can mean even fat, lavish, fertile, prosperous. And I believe that the word anointing here actually represents the abundance of the presence of God will destroy any satanic yoke that, is, that the enemy is endeavoring to place upon your life. Listen to it out of the Amplified Bible. And it shall be in that day that the burden of the Assyrian, an enemy, shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. Now, whether you've realized it or not, I'm a little on the chubby side. It's okay, I'm not offended if you think that way. But I just want you to understand, this is more than just being a little bit of chub, okay? This is potential energy. All right? Now, if we have to go through the tribulation, I'm gonna survive a lot longer than some of you. For example, my son, come up here, Jonathan. He's only gonna make it two weeks. Me, easy boy, easy, okay? He's only gonna make it a couple of weeks. Me, I got a couple of months, okay? So thank you, Jonathan. When I was in Haiti a number of years ago, many years ago, we were working over there. Of course, it was very hot in Haiti. We're working on a church building. And believe me, their church buildings over in Haiti are nothing like the church buildings here. In fact, I'm looking at this thing and saying, how in the world is this thing even going to stand? And yet we're working on this church building. And the guys, of course, as we're working on the building, many of us had our shirts off. And there was one a little Haitian boy that come up to me and he's patting my tummy. He says, very rich, <laughs> very rich. So they related the chub or the fatness to richness or abundance. Do you realize that there is a place in our God where we can live and we can abide, where the enemy has no effect upon us, none whatsoever. Now I'm not saying he won't come against us, but what I am saying, we could come to a place, we could live in a place in our God where the enemy, no matter what he brings against us, he will not affect us. As I was going around a little bit this morning, and I probably don't want to embarrass this sister, but she says to me, I, I said, how are you doing? She said, okay. I said, just okay? She said, well, I'm, I'm battling cancer. And you know, the word of the Lord rose up in my heart, and I said to her, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's, and he never, never fails. He is never, never defeated. And that may be a word for someone else in here, that you feel that you've taken on a battle that the enemy, a yoke that the enemy has placed upon you. But because you are a child of God, you are anointed by the Spirit of God. And because of the anointing or the fatness of God's presence in your life, the yoke will not fit upon you. 
It is broken through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Psalm 91. That was a good place to clap. Amen. Listen to this. Psalm 91 in the Amplified Bible. Now, this is not a prayer. This is a proclamation. So you can pray this. You can pray Psalm 91. Many of the things that are in Psalm 91. He or she who dwells, makes residence, abides. The New Living Translation says lives. So this is not a visitation. This is not a vacation in the presence of God. And then we go back to who we are and living our lives the way we desire to live. No, he who dwells in the secret place or the covering or the shelter of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow or the defense of the Almighty. Watch this, which whose or whose power no foe can withstand. That's a proclamation of the word of God coming through the prophet David. In Isaiah chapter 54, the prophet under the anointing of the spirit of God says this, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you. Anything that the enemy brings against you, anything that the enemy uses that is contrary to the word of God is a weapon of satanic magnitude. And the Bible promises you in a proclamation because of your heritage as a servant of the Lord, which Isaiah proclaims, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. This is imperative that we get this mindset, that we get this understanding. For as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, in their soul, in their mind, so are they. If you walk and live as a defeated Christian, you will be a defeated Christian. But if you continue to get the mindset that you are victorious in Jesus Christ, it is literally going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you speak. No weapon that is formed against you will ever prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be wrong. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Now, I can understand that we can now go into the New Testament and we say, well, what about the persecution that the apostles, the disciples experienced. What about the persecution that Paul experienced? Persecution will come. The scripture tells us anyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But there is nowhere in the scriptures where I read that persecution or an enemy of Christ should be able to overcome me as a spirit-filled child of the living God. That's good preaching, Tom. I say amen to that. Listen, if an enemy comes against our body in the form of sickness, do we have authority over that enemy? Absolutely. And if an enemy comes against our body in the form of an individual who carries an antichrist spirit, do we have authority over that individual? Yes. 
Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon that is formed against me as a child of God will ever prosper. If I will dwell in the secret place of the most high, nothing, nothing will be able to overcome me. I'm not saying things won't come against us. I'm not saying the issues of sickness and disease won't try to touch us. But when we rise up in the authority that Jesus Christ has given us, and we were talking about that authority, that exousia and dunamis, authority and power. And there's times in your Christian walk where power is not necessarily needed at that moment. Authority does the job. Authority out over the forces of hell. We bind the strong man and we release, we release power now that is endeavoring to affect another believer's life. We bind the strong man with the authority that we have and then we release the power of the Spirit of God that's within us that Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so now, now the authority that Jesus Christ has given you and the power that is in you by the Spirit of God there is nothing, nothing that we should not be able to overcome in our lives, no matter what, no matter what. Amen. So please understand that. We live, we abide. The Bible tells us that we have been anointed by the spirit of the living God. He has anointed we as believers now, the first place that we see, and well, let me get back to something. I don't want to miss this because this is important. I started into something. What about the disciples? What about Paul? The disciples, understand, the disciples, Paul, and any of these men and women of God, they were people. They weren't flawless. They weren't sinless. They were people who endeavored to walk with God. Paul, for example, was, was a great great man of God. He carried a powerful anointing in his life. He carried a powerful or abundance of the presence of Almighty God in his life. But Paul, according to uh, Christian history, tells us that Paul, when he went up to Rome, he was beheaded there after several years, being imprisoned. But listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 21, verse 4. When we went ashore, we found local believers, okay, and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. Why? Because what happened in Jerusalem, he was there condemned, arrested. Paul appeals to Caesar to be sent to Rome, even though he had done no wrong and they wanted to release him. And they would have released him had he not appealed. Festus wanted to release him, but had he not appealed to Caesar, they would have released him. But there were men 
who were waiting in wait to kill Paul. They had taken a vow that they would not eat or drink anything until they had killed Paul. Paul was warned of this. Therefore, he did not want to be subjected to a trip to Jerusalem. He appeals to Caesar, and to Caesar he went. In Jerusalem, it was prophesied over to, or not in Jerusalem, but when he was detained and arrested, it was prophesied over him that he was not to go to Jerusalem, but Paul was bent on going to Jerusalem. Several days later, Acts 21 verses 10 through 14. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. This is what's going to happen to you, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, if you are bent on going to Jerusalem. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. There were problems awaiting him. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. That's very noble, but that was not the plan of God for Paul. Paul now eventually was arrested, spent years in prison, a number of years in prison, eventually was beheaded. This great man of faith, this great man of God was literally stifled because he had a mindset to do what he felt he needed to do. Even though the Spirit of God was telling him, don't do it. How often do we find ourselves getting into trouble because the Spirit of God has spoken to us told us not to do something or to do something, and we just simply go the opposite way. We need to learn to trust that inner voice within us, that inner voice within us. And here's Paul, a great, great man of God, carried a heavy anointing in his life. And yes, every believer should have the mindset that they're willing to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel and for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also believe that we need to understand that if there's a person who carries antichrist spirit, if there's a person who carries evil within them, I do not need to be in subjection to the evil that's within them when the greater one dwells within me. Amen? Amen. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 12. Let me reiterate it. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And yes, we should be willing to lay down our lives for Christ. But as far as the church was concerned, Paul was better off alive than dead. Paul even said that. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. He said, it would be good. I desire to go home to be with the Lord, but it's better off for you that I'm alive. I've told numbers of Christians in talking with them that are facing terminal diseases. And it's simply this. We need you here. God doesn't need you in heaven. 
Heaven may be your eternal home, but there's no devil to fight there. There's no sickness, no disease. There's no one to witness to in heaven. You are needed here, Christian, to fight the good fight of faith, to go forth in the victory that Jesus Christ has provided for us, unashamedly declaring the truth of the gospel, light in the midst of darkness. That's who we should be. Unfortunately, carnality has drifted into the church and into so many of our lives. And that carnality literally stifles the anointing of the living God that's upon you as a child of, the, of our living God. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, New King James Version, for I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better for Paul, but it wasn't going to help the church any. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. More needful for you. The anointing of the living God, the abundance, the fatness of his presence being with us to the place that the enemy cannot, the yoke will not fit upon the abundance of the anointing. The yoke of satanic bondage will not fit upon us. It is destroyed because of the anointing. The first place that we see any mention of anointing is over in Genesis chapter 28. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial. Then he poured oil over it. Now, Genesis 31 tells us this. God refers to this act of pouring the oil as the anointing or an anointing of the stone. And Jacob named that place Bethel, which means house of God, or could we say encounter with God? For Jacob had an encounter with God. And so that anointing relates to an encounter with Almighty God. And if you are anointed, and the Bible says you are anointed as a believer, whether you understand that, whether you receive that or not, you are anointed by the Spirit of God. There is an anointing upon you. You had an encounter with Almighty God when you were born again. And when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear me, church, as I have to continue to remind myself, the Spirit of God made his abode within me. The Spirit of God makes his abode within you. As a believer, now whether you operate, live, move in that presence, in that anointing, the abundance, the fatness of his presence, whether you live, abide, and move in that is totally up to you. And it so much depends upon a mindset, a mindset. I went to a denominational church. I was raised in a denominational church. Uh, as a young boy and as a young man, gave my life to Jesus Christ in that same church. But I never, I never heard anything like this. 
I never heard anything about an anointing. I never heard anything about the Spirit of God dwelling within me. I never heard anything about the power, the dunamis, and the exousia that I possess as a Christian. Never heard anything like that. I heard a lot of Bible stories, which are very nice and helpful, but none of it helped me to overcome the powers of hell that would eventually come against me as a young man. And so with this understanding, with this understanding, church, you and I must continue to move toward the realm of complete victory in Jesus Christ. And the only thing that will stifle that is you and me. So we see that Jacob, there was a physical anointed, which is associated with the presence of God. Now watch this over in James, James chapter five, verse 14. The scripture says, is anyone among you sick? Remember anointing an encounter with the abundance of the presence of God, the fatness of God, not physical, spiritual. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, I believe I got a little different revelation insight on this word elders. We have elders in the church that have been appointed by me. People that I recognize as spiritual leaders. There's many others that I believe in this ministry that could be elders in this church and possibly will be. But on the other hand, we have a number of men and women that we have looked to as spiritual leaders in this church. So what this scripture is actually saying, because the word elder here does not necessarily mean a place of appointment, but an older person. And an older person who is spiritually mature. In other words, these elders or older people or spiritually mature people should carry the essence and the presence of the fatness or the abundance of Almighty God in their lives. So what is James saying? Let them call for the elders, the spiritually mature, those who carry the anointing of the presence of God within their lives. Let them call for the elders, those individuals, and let them Anoint them with oil, which symbolizes the fatness or the abundance of God's presence in this particular situation. And when that anointing is released, these elders are spiritually mature, release what they carry. They release what they carry. And that's anointing. Now, perhaps you might be struggling in that area of understanding who you are in Christ, and that's why it's necessary for James to write this for people who don't understand their anointing, people who don't understand who they are in Christ. And so they come to a spiritually mature person in the church. And that doesn't have to be someone who has been appointed by the pastor to be an elder. Elder, that could be anyone who is spiritually mature. In the church, you have them anoint you with oil, which represents the presence of Almighty God and encounter with Almighty God. And James is saying, you anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And that word save means heal, set free, deliver, bless the sick. If they've committed any sins, 
they'll be forgiven. They'll be forgiven. And so these spiritually mature people that are carrying the anointing of God, even the very anointing that you may be carrying, but you don't understand, you have not reached a level of maturity to realize who you are in Jesus Christ. So you're going to draw that anointing from someone else who does recognize who they are in Christ. And Jesus said, if two or more of you agree is touching anything here on this earth, and I don't believe that that is just simply a passive statement. It's talking about agreement in the power of the Spirit of God's anointing in your life. There's no doubt able to overtake you. The enemy cannot convince you in any way that you are less than a victorious Christian. It doesn't matter what you hear, what you see, what you feel, what others tell you. No, you are walking in the victory of Christ. I don't want to hear that. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend you, but you're not speaking that over my life. You're not speaking death over my life. You're not speaking destruction over my life. I reject that in the name of Jesus Christ. Andrew Walmack told his own mother, get away from me, Satan. He wasn't trying to offend his mother, but his mother had not come to the place of spiritual maturity that Andrew was in his life at that time. And his mother was speaking things of death out over Andrew's son, over some form of cold or something like that. And she just continued to speak this, and he asked her not to say that, and she continued speaking that death out over Andrew's son until eventually he said, Get away from me, Satan. Because he knew that Satan was endeavoring to influence his faith through his mother. And you have people in your life that the enemy, and they are more than willing to allow the enemy to use them to speak death and destruction over your life. But it's up to you on whether you're going to receive it. When I'm leaving someplace or whatever, and someone says, take care as I'm walking out under my, I say for nothing. Because the Bible tells me I'm to take care for nothing. Casting all my care upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he cares for me. Take care for nothing, for nothing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? I pray that you're getting something out of this. So we, and as we continue, and there's nothing probably more dangerous than a Christian who thinks they're mature, living in carnality, even living in sin, and trying to operate under the anointing of the Spirit of God. Very, very, very dangerous. We see that picture as we talked about the sons of Sceva last week. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? I don't recognize your authority. I don't recognize your authority. It's exactly what this demon was saying to the sons of Sceva. Now, I want to keep my focus here on where I'm, I'm heading because this, this is extremely important that we, anyone who is spiritually mature, 
what you carry is the abundance of the anointing, the presence of Almighty God, and that now, that abundance of God's anointing that's in your life needs to be released upon others who are ignorant, perhaps, of who they are in Christ, where they need to be. You who are spiritually mature need to be bold in your faith, not arrogant, not obnoxious, but bold in your faith to come against the forces of hell. Release what you carry. You carry the anointing of the Spirit of God. We talked a little bit about this last week with Peter and John. Remember with the lame man beside the gate, beautiful, begging for alms. And Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold. I don't believe that he was necessarily broke. But what he was saying to this man, that's not what you need. You need a release of the anointing in your life, mister, is what you need. But such as I do have, I give to you. What did he have? He had the anointing. The anointing to use exousia authority and to demonstrate power. He had the anointing to do that. And whether you realize it or not, you have that same anointing. You have that same anointing. But such as I do have, I release unto you in Jesus' name. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. I release what I carry upon you in Jesus' name. That's what Peter was saying. And the man rose up and walk. Peter carried such an abundance of God's anointing in his life that in Acts chapter 5, Peter would walk down the street and the people recognized the anointing that was in his life to the degree that they would say, quick, bring your sick out into the streets and let Peter's shadow literally fall upon the sick and they'll be healed. And the Bible says that's, that was the abundance of the fatness of God's presence, saturating Peter's life, even to the point where his shadow would fall upon people and they would be healed. Well, that was Peter. He was a disciple. Do you realize how carnal these disciples were before they had the power of the Spirit of God within their lives, arguing with one another, fighting with one another? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the best? Me first, not you. I'm first. He loves me more than you. These men were carnal. In fact, they had struggled with the very fact that Jesus would rise from the dead, even though he told them numerous times, I will rise from the dead. And yet they settled into depression when Jesus was crucified. It's done. It's over. It was fun while it lasted, but it's over now. And they were absolutely stunned and amazed when they heard that the tomb was empty. They were amazed. Could it be? I remember he said something like that. <laughs> they were carnal. Peter was a man who was possessed with the Spirit of God. You are a man, a woman, who is possessed with the Spirit of God in your life. 1 John chapter 2 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. 
not will have, you do have an anointing from the Holy One. It's so crucial that we understand this and get this into our heart, deep into our heart, in order that we can release the power of the Spirit of God that's in my born-again spirit out in to overtake my soul the way I think because the way I think is going to affect the way I speak and the way I speak is going to affect the way I live. How many of us continue to speak death over our lives instead of the Word of God? We speak death out over our lives. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just lost my job. How am I going to pay my bills? When you should be confessing, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you should be confessing, as David confessed, I've been young, now I'm old, but I've yet to see the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He desires. May you prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul prospers. What's it talking about? The way you think. The way you think. The way you think. What you believe is going to affect the way you think. And the way you think is going to affect the way you live. The way you live. I think of Paul, again, Paul was a man. He wasn't perfect. He would sin occasionally, miss the mark occasionally. He was warned not to go to Jerusalem, and he did it anyhow. And the believers got so frustrated with it, they just simply said, well, the will of the Lord be done. In other words, do what you want to do. They got so frustrated with him. They had such a deep love for Paul. They knew that they needed Paul. They needed the anointing that rested upon him and flowed through him. Well, I'm not willing only to be in prison. I'm willing to die. Spirit of the Lord says, okay, I'll use you. If that's what you're determined to do, I'll use you. And God did use him. But his life was taken early where he could have been so much more effective in the church. But this same Paul in Acts chapter 19 carried such a presence, carried such an anointing with him, carried such fatness of the presence of God. An encounter. Paul had an encounter with God. I was caught up into the third heaven and I saw things that was that is actually unlawful for me to speak of. What's he saying? You wouldn't understand. People who have not walked in this anointing, people who do not carry this type of presence, this type of fatness of the glory of, and the abundance of the spirit of God within their lives, you wouldn't understand it. We could compare it to someone that you're endeavoring to talk to about being born again. And it's like, what are you talking about? What do you mean born again? And yet you know very well what you mean. It's revelation to you. You understand. You have insight about that. But they have no understanding. And yet, 
And yet Jesus said, if you're not born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. You'll not see the kingdom of God. So Peter anointed, Paul so anointed by the spirit, the abundance of God's presence in his life. And in Acts chapter 19, they would literally take pieces of cloth that touched his body. And they would send them out to the sick, send them out to the afflicted. Because Paul was so saturated with the fatness of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God. That even his clothing would have effect upon those that the enemy was afflicting. Pieces of an apron, handkerchiefs, scarves, pieces of his robe, an anointing. You remember the woman with the issue of blood with Jesus pressed through the crowd? She touched the hem of his garment. Jesus carried he had the anointing, the spirit of God in fullness, in fullness. In other words, it was unrestricted. He was unrestricted in the life of Jesus, unrestricted by carnality, unrestricted by sinful living, unrestricted by bad thinking, bad theology. Jesus Christ, unrestricted the flow of the Holy Spirit through him to the point someone just touched his clothing and they were healed. Why? Because he carried the fatness of God's presence within his life. Within his life. Do you realize, church, what you carry? The enemy will endeavor to keep you away from this revelation and this insight He'll cause you to focus on that which seems to be a failure. What if the person doesn't get healed? What if I pray and nothing happens? Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep pressing in. Keep indulging in the fatness of his presence. Keep getting more and more and more, more rich with, the, with his glory and his anointing, and the day will come. You see, if you give way to the fact that nothing happens, it's not on you. You just keep releasing what you have. You may not have much at this very moment, but keep going, keep pressing in to more and more of the abundance of his anointing flows in your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you receive that today, church? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to get any further into this because we're about out of time, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me. In the name of our Christ and our King, I declare the strength of God's anointing out over each and every child of God in this place today that we truly indeed would find that place where we would turn away from that which we would re restrict the anointing of God, that would grieve the Spirit of God, and we would find that place of, of communion. We would dwell in the secret place of the Most High, that place where no foe could overcome us, where no weapon that is formed against us will ever prosper. Why? Because we carry the anointing. We carry the presence of God. 
in Jesus' name. I speak that out over this congregation today through Christ our Lord. And if there's anyone here today where you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. The prayer in and of itself has no power. None. So it's not just repeat this prayer and you'll be saved. No, it's your faith, your faith, your sincere faith reaching out to take hold of the grace of Almighty God. The pureness of your heart, the sincerity of your heart, that you want your life changed for the glory of God. You're not just endeavoring to buy fire insurance, insurance against hell. No, what you are saying, you're willing to yield your life to Jesus Christ in being born again and start your journey in the work of the kingdom of God. And that simple prayer of faith says, Dear Lord Jesus, at this very moment, I yield my life to you. I believe by faith I am born again. I believe by faith at this very moment I am a child of the living God. And I thank you right now I thank you right now that my sin debt is paid. I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And from this moment forward, I will live for you, Christ, for you died for me. And it's in your precious name I pray. And I believe that I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. And if you said that prayer by faith, I believe with all my heart, according to the word of God, you just got saved. You just got born again. Please stop by our Connection Center out in the lobby. If you're watching online, you gave your life to Jesus Christ, please write to us here at Word of Life Church. We'd be more than happy to send out a packet for you to help you get established in your walk and your relationship with Jesus. Stop by that Connection Center. Ask him for that packet. It'll help you in your relationship with Christ. Even before you leave, tell two or three people that you've received Christ today because you believe with your heart, but you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus Christ, very important. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed today? I pray so, church. I pray you've been encouraged in your walk, in your relationship. Let's give a shout of victory on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed. Be a blessing.